You're listening to the Benefits at Work podcast, where we explore unique employee benefit offerings and programs to help improve your company and workplace culture. We cover wellness, technology, trending hot topics, and more. Now here's your host, Director of Client Engagement at Lipscomb & Pitts Insurance, Betsy Kamler. Hello, and welcome to our Benefits at Work podcast. I'm Betsy Kamler, Director of Client Engagement here at Lipscomb and & Pitts, and today we have Melissa Wilkes Donahue. She is the Director of Concern Employee Assistance Program here in Memphis. Hi, Melissa. Hey, Betsy. Good to talk to you again. I'm glad that we were able to connect and um, be able to uh, talk even in this crazy time with COVID going on. And um, so I just kind of want to get started. And, and first off, just tell us a little bit about Concern and what you guys do. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for having me here today. But um, for those that don't know, Concern, we are an employee assistance program based locally here in Memphis. Um, We take care of uh, companies here in our city, our great city of Memphis, as well as across the United States and serve over 70,000 employees. And what's awesome about our program is it also extends to everyone in their household. Um, Those individuals don't have to be on the employee's insurance. Uh, They don't even have to be related to them, but we understand that if someone lives under your roof, it may be affecting you. So um, we do everything from counseling to trainings, management consultations, uh, critical incident debriefings. Lord knows there's been plenty of those these days, but um, just the name of a few of the things we do. Okay, sounds good. Well, obviously, um, I guess, unfortunately, with what's going on with our current pandemic, I'm sure that you guys have been probably a little bit busier than normal. And, um, you know, today we just kind of, one of the subjects I wanted to touch on is um, opioid um, addiction and abuse. And ironically, next month, um, August 31st, is International Overdose Awareness Day. And um, being in insurance and benefits, uh, we do see a lot on opioids. And unfortunately, that's, you know, become kind of the I'd say drug of choice per se, maybe sometimes, just because it is prescription drug and it's just always interesting how people can get their hands on it, and, and you know, when they do, a lot of times abuse becomes of it. So I just kind of want to talk about that and just, you know, I've heard there's a rise over the years of the abuse in this, and it seems, again, to be a common form. Um, so what, what's the epidemic like now here, especially in Memphis, with opioids? Well, Betsy, as we all know, you can't turn on the news without seeing something about COVID or opioids these days. Um, The epidemic that we're currently seeing is that every single day, at least we're seeing about 150 Americans dying. So while there is a rise of of people sadly dying because of COVID, um, opioids is actually leading the way, um, which is really scary. Um, Folks are actually four times higher, have a, a four times higher likelihood of, of dying now of opioids um, than, than other things. Um, so we're seeing a ton of overdoses, um, you know, and actually Shelby County Health Department as of May the 11th, um, we saw a tremendous spike in activity across our county. Um, and over the 30 day period that they were monitoring that we had 391 overdoses, um, you know, and 58 wow. of those were fatal. So it's, it's astounding those numbers that we're seeing, um, you know, and so our city and our county are just plagued with this epidemic and we're losing people even faster than we are to the um, crazy coronavirus we're dealing with. Right, exactly. And, you know, in, given the current pandemic we're in right now, I know that that leads to a lot of um, 
mental health issues and, and people that may have already been struggling with mental health or may have an you know, extra hard time with what's going on. So, you know, how does that play into to this that, with the, the opioids? Well, opioids, they, you know, a lot of people have them in their medicine cabinet and they don't even know it. Um, you know, if you've had any type of procedure over the years, um, chances are then you've been prescribed one of these opioids and it may still be sitting in your medicine cabinet and not even know it. So for someone who's struggling um, with an addiction, um, they, you know, maybe come over to your house to, to check up on you. And when they go to use the restroom, they may be going through your cabinet and helping themselves to the prescription that you forgot was even there. Um, you know, and folks who are dealing with an addiction, that's a lot of times their uh, best point of access. Once they've gone through the prescription that um, a doctor might have given them, um, they are going to friends' houses and um, using those, those pills, everything from hydrocodone to oxycodone, uh, you know, a lot of those household names that we're familiar with hearing, um, but it's in the same class of heroin. And so a lot of times people think, oh, heroin, I would never go that direction. Um, but it's actually the same type of drug that, um, you know, what we see with Vicodin, Oxycodone, and all those, same type of effect. So it's a really easy transition that's less expensive for someone that's struggling with addiction. Wow, yeah. And unfortunately, I know a lot of times that's easier to get a prescription. A lot of times. I mean, you would think that, you know, I know some doctors are probably more lenient than others, would you say? I mean, how does that really work? It really depends. Um, they, they monitor a lot of the prescriptions that are being filled. Um, there's actually a map that you can look at and see, you know, some of those hot spots when more prescriptions are being filled than others, but um, they're trying to have a better crackdown so that, um, you know, this medication isn't being passed out after every single procedure. Um, you mm -hmm. know, they're looking at the, the least restrictive means to help somebody with pain uh, versus going straight to some of these very strong medications that literally change the makeup of your brain and change your, change your pain receptors, um, that it's very difficult to get back. And um, so, you know, the longer that people are on these medications and doctors are prescribing them, the higher likelihood they have of going down that road of addiction. Um, and as doctors are trying to pull back from prescribing those, um, that's when we see a lot of folks that go in the direction of, of using street drugs that they may or may not know the complete makeup of, and then we get a lot of overdoses. And if somebody is in trouble, um, you know, how is treatment provided and, and how would they seek help? Well, it's, there's many different levels of care for, for folks that are coming off these drugs. Um, you know, there's an outpatient treatment program. We have many here in the Memphis area um, that we connect folks to, sadly. Um, not as much as we would like, but, you know, it takes someone choosing to say that they want to get help for, for their family and friends to connect them um, to a treatment facility. It's not one of those things that you can force somebody into treatment unless they want to go. Um, we can't make them receive treatment for any type of substance abuse. So, you know, whether it's an outpatient basis or going into a facility that's a residential, um, you know, sometimes medication is used. In other cases, it's not to help somebody come down off of these very strong uh, drugs. So it really just depends on that treatment option and their way of helping someone come off of those drugs in a, in a safe way. Yeah. And how successful is the treatment? I, mean, I know it's, uh, it's one thing to get them there, but how successful is it once they're there? Well, you know, some folks, just like with, with many things that we see, it takes many times for folks to decide, you know, I'm going to 
take the responsibility to take care of myself, to, to beat this addiction, um, you know, and, you know, the stronger the support system and the stronger the, you know, that they connect with the folks in their treatment team, um, that is so important, uh, you know, a role to have all of those folks on uh, a strong system um, to support the, those individuals. Because, you know, a lot of times uh, we, you can treat one thing, you can treat an addiction, but if you're not also treating what there's usually there a mental health condition such as depression and anxiety. Um, if you're not dealing with that along with it, um, then that's when we tend to see a lot more relapses because, you know, you've got to treat the entire person and not just one aspect of it because, um, you know, addiction is a very powerful thing. And, um, you know, let's just be honest. A lot of times people are taking these because it makes them feel better. They're either in pain mm -hmm. or they're struggling right now with coronavirus. We're seeing three times the national average of depression and anxiety. And, you know, people want to be happy. And so sometimes they're just resorting to, um, you know, taking something to just find themselves in a happier place because sometimes it, it's not possible to see the light at the end of the tunnel with all of the, the scary unknowns going on. Right, exactly. And, you know, like I mentioned before, we do hear a lot of it here in this Memphis area, the surrounding Mid-South, Mississippi, Arkansas, wherever it may be around us, that um, sometimes we have spikes in this area. And it's just, it's just again, just um, unfortunate how it affects so many lives. And what, what are we doing in our area to help? And, you know, are there different areas that people can, you know, dispose of, of their drugs that maybe they have gotten some type of painkiller from a previous surgery or something like that that, they don't need any more. Absolutely. Most pharmacies, they have a drop-off place where you can turn in those prescriptions. Um, you know, something that everyone can individually do is go in your medicine cabinet. If there's medication in there that you don't need anymore is expired, get rid of it because you may unknowingly be providing a resource to someone that's struggling right now. So something I encourage everyone to do um, because most of us have expired medications that we don't need anymore um, in our mm -hmm. cabinet that believe it or not, people, um, you know, when people are struggling, they will do anything and everything to, to try to fulfill that need. Um, but luckily here in the Memphis area, people may be aware that you know, community leaders, volunteers from a variety of different capacities are volunteering to pass out uh, overdose reversal kits. Um, everyone's most likely heard of Narcan. Um, there's a lot of opportunities to learn uh, how to use Narcan. All of our police and firemen are armed with uh, Narcan as well in case they encounter someone that is having an overdose, um, which sadly is happening very, very frequently. So their uh, Narcan basically blocks what the opioid is doing um, and can reverse somebody from potentially dying. So I'm um, glad to have okay. those resources in our community and uh, for the county to, to be taking an active stance to say, we don't, you know, one person is one too many to die from an opioid overdose. So there's definitely things happening, but, uh, and there's also investigation going into every time there is an overdose, um, there's a team of folks that go in and try to, you know, understand the situation better and see what they can do to help on an individual basis. So it's, okay. it's awesome to see they're being proactive to, you know, situations right here at our doorstep. Yeah, that's interesting. I had not heard of that myself, the Narcan. So that's, so that's just something they can administer if they, you know, have a call, come on the scene or whatever, and they know somebody's had an overdose. 
Absolutely. And it's, and it's okay. a, an easy process that actually anyone, um, you know, we can send out the information about when they do have the community uh, distribution. You, anyone can walk up and say, I want to have this so that in the event that I encounter someone that I think may be experiencing an overdose, that I can administer this. And even if it's, uh, you know, when they, when they take somebody through this free available training to be able to administer it, they also talk through the things to look for, but also, you know, just a reminder that it, it can't hurt. You know, they could be overdosing on another type of medication, but even if you administer Narcan, it's not going to hurt, but it could potentially save that person's life. Hmm. Okay. I did not know that. That's very, that's interesting. Um, and just, you know, because I know we have a lot of employers um, listening and, and what are some of the signs of op opioid abuse? Is this something that, that, uh, you know, a manager could possibly pick up on from an employee and what are some things that they can look for? Absolutely. Um, you know, the big changes in anyone, whether it's opioid abuse or any of the number of things that you may be changes in your employee is, you know, in their sleep habits. If they normally were alert and attentive and, you know, very interactive um, and you see that they're sleepy all the time or the opposite, um, that they have lots and lots of energy, um, that seeing any type of uh, weight loss. Um, they're not on Weight Watchers, but they sure just dropped a whole ton of weight. Um, but a lot of times when folks are also coming down off of opioids and waiting for that next time to get those, um, it can look like they've got the flu or, you know, right now coronavirus. Um, but also, you know, it's just anything when people start to cut off their friends and family, maybe they were the, the most social person in the office. And now they just kind of go to their space and um, don't really interact with folks. Um, you know, anytime you're seeing those changes in behavior and um, their affect, they're giving away things, uh, you know, things start disappearing from an office, um, you tend to see that, that that person has some type of um, addiction or maybe a mental health issue, uh, maybe even both that needs to be addressed. Right. Okay. And obviously, um, with employers, um, as far as helping communicate the abuse effects and what to look for, um, obviously, always encourage EAP program. Would you agree? Absolutely. Any type of, um, you know, making sure that people know the resources they have, uh, talking about this. You know, there's part of the reason people don't reach out and get help is because there is such a stigma attached to um, someone having a substance abuse disorder. But, you know, just, just take alcohol, for instance. Alcohol is the highest abused drug out there, and, you know, people don't really like to talk about it, but um, the more that you find that people raise awareness and talk about it, um, the more likely they are to reach out and get help, and the same with opioids. You know, people have to be open um, to listening and having a real conversation with somebody that might be struggling, uh, but also just reaching out to those resources you have, uh, whether it's us as a, if we're your EAP or uh, the EAP that you have, making sure you reach out to them to say, where do we go from here to get this person help? And they can connect you with those resources. Okay. Sounds good. Sounds good. Well, we, um, we appreciate you having, um, joining us again um, today, Melissa, and um, thank you for all your wonderful information about this uh, unfortunate topic that unfortunately we do hear a lot of, especially in this current times. But um, as always, if you have any questions, um, feel free to reach out to me here at Lipscomb and Pitts. We'll be glad to help with any communication needs or anything like that when it comes to abuse and also um, 
feel free to contact Melissa at Concern. So thank you again today. Thank you so much, Betsy. Everybody stay safe. Keep washing those hands and do your distancing. And, you know, we're going to get through this. We'll get to the next chapter before we know it. That's right. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to the Benefits at Work podcast. To learn more about wellness, technology, and compliance, head to lpinsurance.com or follow us online at LP Insurance.